Hello everyone and welcome back to the sign of the dollar. Now, I know it's been a very long time since I last posted a podcast and that's partly because I've been quite busy and also partly because I've been quite lazy. But regardless, I'm back and I have a podcast today and this one is going to be focused mainly on economics and my economic theory. So a lot has happened in my absence of making podcasts. For example, Trump had a meeting with Chuck Schumer or Nancy Pelosi. Uh, student Senator Isabella Chow also faced harassment for her Christian beliefs. Basically, it was a complete shit show, which is essentially your typical day in US politics. But instead of going into that today, I wanted to focus more on economics and my economic theory, as I mentioned earlier on. So I'm sure anybody who has listened to any of my previous podcasts or follows me on my Instagram page or even knows me in person knows that I am quite an ardent uh, libertarian when it comes to my political views. I'm also quite right-wing when it comes to my economic views. I'm a strong individualist uh, and I believe very strongly in the free market. So that brings me to my economic theory. I am, for the most part, a free market capitalist. I believe very strongly that market forces have the ability to give the best outcome for humanity. I believe that it was market forces that led to our development, and it is market forces that will continue developing our world. At the same time, I am epistemologically honest enough to admit the fact that I do not know everything about the economy. Far from it. I still have a lot to learn. And I believe that as I do begin to learn more and as I do begin to evolve my views, I will perhaps change my views on certain economic issues. But my basic underlying economic philosophy will remain the same, mainly because of the fact that I strongly believe that your economic uh, views or your economic stances have a lot to do and say a lot about your philosophical and moral values. And if they don't, it's most likely because you're not completely sure uh, about the morality, about the thinking and the ideology behind the economic stances that you are taking. And I'll be elaborating on this more later on in the podcast. But first, I'd like to address uh, my full economic theory and why I believe it to be not only the most pragmatic, but also the most moral. And I'm not being cocky when I say that. I'm sure there may be economic theories which might be more pragmatic than mine. But as far as I'm concerned and as far as I've learned about economics, I do believe that the economic theory that I'm about to propose is its quite a common one. But I do believe that um, this does have the potential to give uh, humanity the best output or the best result. So if I were to sum up my economic stances or my economic philosophy in a couple of sentences, I would say that I am, uh, I believe very strongly in market forces, I believe very strongly in the free market. So obviously, I do not believe that there should be much government intervention when it comes to economics. And as I believe in general with government is that their main and their perhaps their only purpose is to uh, protect man's rights. Once the government becomes too big, it begins infringing upon man's rights. So with the same idea, if I apply it to economics, this would mean that the government does not interfere in the economy until and unless man's rights are being violated as a result of economic activity. In that case, the government has the full authority and they should be able to intervene at that point in time. Now, it's hard to pinpoint every single scenario where I think it would be proper for the government to intervene in the economy, 
But I do believe that there is some place for the government to interfere in the economy. Uh, as I said, obviously, in cases where corporates or uh, certain business owners are violating man's rights as a result of their economic activity, then by all means the government should be able to interfere. But I do believe in general for the economic well-being of a society, there are certain scenarios where it is proper for the government to interfere uh, in the economy. Uh, for example, uh, I'm sure quite a few of you have heard of market failure. And at first when I heard of it, I thought, okay, the market doesn't fail, and when it does fail, it usually makes up for it. But it is true that the market can fail, there can be a bust in the economy, uh, there can also be a problem when it comes to the existence of externalities, uh, the lack of public goods, an undersupply of merit goods, or an oversupply of demerit goods. Uh, basically what that means is that uh, merit goods are goods which are considered to be good for general society. And by the very nature of the market, they are undersupplied. And uh, as opposed to demerit goods, which are t tend to be generally bad for general society, such as cigarettes. And uh, by the market's nature, because of their profitability, they are oversupplied um, compared to the extent that they should be supplied for it to be most efficient to society. So in such cases of severe market failure, I do believe the government does have a place to interfere in the economy. But that does not mean that the government puts all kinds of regulations, all kinds of compliance costs, all kinds of requirements which suffocate business owners, limit their economic freedom, and they limit competition, they uh, limit entrepreneurial spirit, and in general, they're bad for the economy. So. Yes, I do believe that there is some place for the government to interfere in the economy, but once the government starts interfering too much in the economy, it causes several problems. And I'm sure a lot of people uh, could agree on that fact, even um, left-wingers and even right-wingers, but I guess the main thing that causes disagreement is where that point is, where that point is that the government stops interfering in the economy. And for me, it would be quite far down. It would be a very, very rare scenario where I, I believe that it's proper for the government to interfere in the economy. Then there's also the case of um, monopolies and oligopolies. For those of you who don't know what that means, basically a monopoly is where one firm or one company has control over an entire market. So it's either the sole supplier or other businesses are unable to infiltrate that market for any given reason. An oligopoly is very similar, except uh, it's more than one company, but it is still a limited amount of firms. So there is not much competition. And that is obviously one of the main problems with a monopoly or an oligopoly is that there's not much competition, which also hinders development. It also gives the firms or the firm in charge of the market uh, the ability to exploit their customers. For example, if I have 100% of the market share over microphones, for example, I can just inflate their prices as much as I want, uh, so long as there's no government re regulations preventing it. So I'm basically exploiting my consumers because I know that they can't do anything. They still have to buy from me because I'm the only supplier or the only place that they can find the product that they want and buy from it. So obviously there is a problem with that. And in some cases it is, uh, proper for the government to interfere in such a case, maybe uh, give more of an incentive for smaller businesses to join that industry or give them more of an incentive to be able to uh, compete against this, these bigger co companies so that the monopoly can be eliminated and competition can once again uh, play a big part. But uh, there's also cases where I think monopolies, and as crazy as this may sound, uh, can be helpful and can provide an incentive 
for people to join that market. So what I believe, obviously, in many cases, it's very, very, very hard for other businesses to or other firms to infiltrate our market that is controlled by a sole firm. But what I do believe can happen as a result of this is that there's an incentive for people to be innovative. Because if they're innovative, then they can actually have the ability to compete with these bigger uh, firms. And this is quite rare, and there are certainly cases of monopolies where it's very hard and the government should be able to do something. Obviously, there's also the question of how much they're doing. But I also do believe that the existence of monopolies and oligopolies would be quite seldom and quite rare uh, under a free market. I believe that a lot of the times monopolies are created as a result of cronyism or um, government interference in the economy, or even in general when the market isn't left to its own devices, uh, such things can happen. But yes, of course, I'll be honest, even the market, the free market, can cause um, a monopoly. But I believe that it would be more robust and the monopoly would be eliminated faster than it would be under an economy controlled by the government. So my take on monopolies uh, when it comes to free market or uh, government interference, I mean, there is some place for the government to interfere. But in general, I think that the market can be left to its own devices and such problems or such hurdles can be overcome. So following that stream of the idea of competition and the idea of there being more than one, multiple firms com- com- uh, competing in a market, obviously that's very important and that's, that's a fact. It's a fact that when there's several competitors, that is a case of a perfect market or a market which is very successful. And I believe that this will happen very, very often if the market is left to its own devices. So that brings me to my point that when there's a lot of government interference, this hinders competition. It tends to be, even when the government tries to do things to, uh, what do you call it, promote competition or encourage competition, it ends up being inefficient and unsuccessful. On the other hand, when the government does not interfere, for example, if the government gave fewer bailouts to larger companies, and I do understand the thinking behind giving bailouts as far as keeping the stability of the economy intact, but this would also be a problem for smaller businesses. For example, that's the main problem I have with uh, crony capitalism. It's that once a larger corporation fails to please its customers, it can simply go to the government and ask for a bailout. And the, the, the problem, main problem I have with this is that it no longer becomes a case that uh, to succeed in the market, you have to please your customers. It more becomes that to succeed in the market, you have to have government contacts. And obviously, I have problems with that. The main thing I support about a free market economy is that I do believe that it's a very moral system. But in the case where you succeed not by your own hard work, not by your own effort, not by your ability to satisfy your consumers, but instead uh, by your government contacts, then I think that's a that would be a perfect example of a market failure. I think that's terrible. Uh, so that's why I believe that it is important for the uh, economy to be the government to be a bit more hands off when it comes to the economy, so that they can encourage competition, and so that when a certain corporation fails to satisfy their customers, another corporation which is more committed to satisfying their customers will take their place. And in that case, the best 
company, the company which can best satisfy their consumers, their customers, is the one that will succeed the most, not the one which has the most or the best government contacts. So that's my take on um, competition in the market. Of course, everybody would agree on the fact that competition in the market is very important and it is what drives um, innovation, it is what drives development, but obviously people have different takes on what we can do to encourage competition. Some people believe that the government interfering would help promote competition, whereas I believe that the government remaining hands-off would provide better competition. And that is something to debate. As long as people agree with the fact that competition is very important for the economy, which I do believe a lot of people uh, agree with. Uh, that brings me to my next point, and my next point is about taxation. Uh, if you've heard my previous podcast, episode 8, I believe it was, uh, about taxation, it was a debate with Sam of diverse political views. We had a full debate. I am in favor of a flat tax system, whereas he is in favor of a progressive tax system. So be sure to check that out. I also made a YouTube video breaking down why I support a flat tax as opposed to an, a progressive tax. So I won't go into much detail this time when it comes to taxation, but I will say that I believe in a flat tax, but one may consider it progressive because I believe that there should be two brackets, two main brackets, one bracket where people living in severe poverty shouldn't pay anything in tax and another bracket for everyone else and they all pay a flat tax of around 15 percent and a lot of people may think oh this is very low but the thing is it's actually quite realistic i mean it's not realistic in its implementation i'm very sure it won't be implemented in practically any country for a very long time but uh, I say it's realistic because the government has sufficient funding to serve its most basic purpose, which is to protect man's rights, even if they don't have such high taxation. So I believe taxation is necessary for the government to have some revenue to actually serve their purpose. But when taxation becomes too high, the only reason we'd require such high taxation is to support a welfare state where the government would be providing, basically providing a livelihood to poor people, which is, which is I believe, completely wrong. People should be earning their livelihood and a welfare state causes dependency. But for more on that and for more detail on why I support a flat tax as opposed to a progressive tax system, be sure to check that uh, podcast or that video out. So in conclusion, I believe very strongly in economic freedom. I find it to be very important for an economy to succeed and very important for people to be able to receive the rights that they deserve and for people to get what they earn. Now, that idea is what brings me to the explanation of the morality behind this economic system and why I believe it to be a very moral system as opposed to socialism or communism, which... I believe to be an atrocity, not only when it comes to the the pragmatic aspect, but also when it comes to the moral aspect. And this is what I will elaborate on now. But um, in the future, I will also do a socialism podcast, a podcast breaking down the problems with socialism in more detail. So I won't talk much about socialism this time, but rather I'll just speak about why I believe my own economic theory to be a very moral one, which is why I support it, which is why I back it. I, I think that it's very important to think about the moral aspect of an, of an economy as it, it's basically what runs our world. So it's very important, I believe, that to have a strong focus on also the moral aspect. So that's why I consider that a priority when it comes to my economic theory. So I do believe that 
in general, the most moral aspect tends to be the most pragmatic as well. But yes, of course, there's cases where that is not the case. I would prioritize the moral aspect. The most basic idea of why I support free market capitalism is that I believe it gives people the choice to do what they want and to do what they're best at. It ensures that man is rewarded for hard work and productivity. A livelihood under such an economy must be earned. It's not simply given away. In other words, such an economy would ensure that you get what you earn. Of course, there is the factor of luck involved. I would be dishonest if I said that economic success is pure hard work. It's not. There is an element of luck involved. However, it is also true that without hard work and commitment, even if you have the luck, you're not going to succeed economically. It's also proven that in a lot of developed countries, which I think would be the result of a free market economy, and actually has been, we can prove that more of a free market economy is what has led some of the superpowers, the economic superpowers, to be as powerful as they currently are. Uh, but bring, bring me back to my point, sorry for going off on a tangent, but what I was saying was that in developed countries, it's proven that most wealth is created and not inherited. At least in the USA, I've seen a statistic for this. Uh, I'm, not, I'm forgetting it now, but you can look it up. Uh, for rich people, mainly the wealth that people have is created and not inherited. I live in India and a lot of the wealth is inherited indeed. But it's also important to consider that if somebody is lazy or bad with running uh, a business, they will face the consequences and this will lead to not as much economic prosperity as they would have had. So yes, of course, there's still very lucky people who are not hardworking and still manage to live a luxurious life and still do get economic rewards. But the main idea is that in a more ideal world, and I do believe that we can go closer to that under a free market economy, um, is that in that case, um, people are rewarded for their hard work. And when there's more of a free market economy, it's also more likely that if somebody messes up and doesn't have the ability to run a business, uh, they, they won't be able to simply keep their wealth because it's inherited. In a free market system, I'd say it would be, in fact, more likely for that person to fail. So that, again, reinforces my point that under a free market economy, or at least a more of a free market economy, a laissez-faire economy, economy, if you will, people get what they earn. And that's what I find a very important moral aspect of this economic philosophy. Furthermore, elaborating on that point of getting what you earn, you're al you also get to keep what you have produced. Basically, the idea is that in an economy where the government interferes more, you don't get to keep what you produce because you have to pay a lot of it in taxes. The money that you earn and the products that you produce belong to you. The government does not have a right on that. The reason we have taxation is because the government does require revenue to exist. And I do believe that there is a place for the government to exist. So taxation should be existent. But once it becomes too high, it does become an infringement upon man's right to your mind because the products that your mind has produce, produced and the money that you have earned using your mind is taken away from you when there is very high taxation. There is also the factor to consider that all transactions in a free market tend to be mutually beneficial or they don't occur because transactions are voluntary. They're not involuntary, such as in a communist system or in general, a system with very high taxation. It's coercion. It's not a, a voluntary system where people say, okay, you can have my money and 
for my money, I get this in return. Whereas in a free market economy, everything would be a voluntary and a mutually beneficial transaction. If it does not turn out to be beneficial for a given party, it's because that party made a mistake. That party didn't know what was best for them at that given time, and they faced the consequences for that mistake. And that, I believe, is also very important. You should be able to take responsibility for your mistakes. You should, you should be able to learn from them. You should be able to move on from them. If you can't, then you face more consequences. And at that point, it no longer becomes a mistake, and you deserve to face those consequences, as they are the only thing that will lead to you creating a better person out of yourself. I was also talking earlier about how a free market economy would create a scenario or a situation in general where firms or businesses would succeed only by pleasing their customers. So this is also a very important thing to consider when it comes to the moral aspect of this philosophy because the idea is that the only way that you can succeed is by helping others. And I'm sure most people would agree that that is a moral idea. It is also important to consider that as a result of this, the most successful uh, businessmen have indirectly helped create thousands of jobs, millions if not millions of jobs, and lift thousands if not millions of people out of poverty. So the idea of a free market capitalist society would be that it would be a case where people would first of all get what they earn, be able to keep the products that their mind produces and keep the money that they earn, and they would also help several people in doing so. In order to succeed, they would have to help several people. And that is why it's also important. It's It considers uh, mutually beneficial transactions where people have a choice to do, to buy what they want, to use their money in the fashion that they want, and in return for that, gain some kind of a value. Regardless of this, capitalism is looked often looked upon badly. Uh, people often mistake what it truly is. I think p perhaps the, mo the most common misconception is that capitalism itself is cronyism. Um, that crony capitalism is the only form in which capitalism can exist, which is simply not true. And I completely agree that there is a problem with crony capitalism, but free market capitalism eliminates all the problems that crony capitalism does have. I also hear things like uh, market forces are what cause child labor, market forces are what cause greed, and market forces are what destroy men. But this is simply not true. Money might have that effect on certain people, but it is the person at the end of the day that give them that gives the money that effect. Money at the same time also helps us to have a representation of our hard work, and it also provides for us to have a tool that we can use to trade with each other. When you earn a lot of money, it represents your hard work, and it is a reward of your hard work. So there's so much so many good things that we need to consider about money and the system of money, which is an invention of a capitalist society. I see a lot of people talking about how money causes greed, money is the root to all evil, and I think that's just a ridiculous notion. I think it was best dismantled by Francisco d'Anconia in um, Atlas Shrugged by Ayn Rand, uh, who I also think is heavily misunderstood. So it is important to consider that fact, that what we do with money is not money's fault. It's not the fault of a capitalist society. There's always going to be bad people. There's always going to be bad uh, people who do bad things, who, are, who make bad things out of good things, things that were intended to be helpful to society. They use it for it to be bad for society. But this does not mean that it is that very system that is the problem. It's the problem of the people. And we're not going to be able to do much about that. There's always going to be bad people.
Furthermore, we can also consider that market forces are what have caused development and market forces are what have made the quality of life better for everyone. Competition leads to innovation, innovation leads to development, development leads to a better economy which leads to a higher societal welfare and a better life for everyone. So to conclude, I believe very strongly in the free market, I believe very strongly in market forces, I believe that there are very few cases or scenarios where the government should be interfering in the economy. And in general, I believe this to be not only a pragmatic system, but also a moral system which ensures that people get what they earn. And I believe that is also one of the main reasons why many other people also support free market capitalism. Anyway, that'll do it for me for this podcast. Thank you for tuning in. I'll be sure to be more regular with my podcasts now as I do have a Christmas holiday coming up. But anyway, thank you for listening. I've been your host, Anis Satpute, and this is The Sign of the Dollar.